Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. And today, Sonia, we are on the third episode of Season 5, the 67th episode overall, A Deal with the Devil, another Omega Red adventure. Mm -hmm. The proverbial devil. Right. And he is quite devilish in this episode. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll have to say off the bat, surprise that this is like prime X-Men quality. Yeah. We have yet to descend into the bad animation studio with the worst voice acting. And I know. We've been so excited for that for so long. Yeah. I, I want the bad episodes. <laughs> this is just another really good one. Um, this episode written by uh, former X-Men Task podcast guest Eric Leewald, mm -hmm. uh, the, I guess the main one of the main executive produ producers and story editors of the show. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, one that he gets sole writing credit for. Pretty cool. And it's a really uh, great episode. Um, very oddly prescient and topical. Uh, very of its time, too. Mm -hmm. Because it's dealing with a lot of like post-Cold War Russia breakup politics yeah. that were common in the mid-90s, I suppose. How do you like Omega Red as a villain? I think he's actually really cool, uh -huh. and I can see him being used amazingly in a movie one day. It's a villain they haven't a even... A modern movie? Yes. Hmm. You know, I think it just came out that, I think in Deadpool 2, Omega Red was in a deleted scene. Yeah. He was one of the prisoners at that mutant camp. Oh, that's funny. The mutant prison that uh, Deadpool's part of with uh, Juggernaut. Yeah. Um, and I saw a screenshot of the actor that was supposed to play the extra, and it was... It it wasn't that far off from the comic book of depiction of Omega Red. Like we all know what Omega Red looks like. He's white skinned with red eyeballs and he's got that weird like a white great yellow hair. Top ponytail. Yeah. Half ponytail style and going on. His white and red like Soviet body armor. And the glowing red eyes. Yeah, and the tentacles. Um in the screen grab I saw it was just like some like weirdly colored white guy, I guess, but not white skin colored, like Omega Red. Oh. A regular white guy, but he, he had like a weird orangey tint to his skin. I don't know what was going on. But I he seemed if... to have the hairstyle and the eyes. Not glowing red eyes, but just like the face. So, I, I was like, I don't really Whoa. know what you mean now, but... <laughs> I know. You just um, look up the picture, everybody. You'll be able to see what I'm talking about. I wonder if they didn't want him in the movie as just like an extra. You know what I mean? Yeah. In case later on he becomes a bigger character... And he, then they'd be sorry that they didn't just cast someone to play Omega Red in all the Marvel movies. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, the fun thing about Deadpool is that they've taken a few characters that otherwise have been a bit more serious in the Marvel comics and made jokes out of them, yeah. like Colossus. Colossus is the classic and, one, And yeah. in the new one, Juggernaut, they made him more... I mean, Juggernaut's always been very cartoonish. But they, they really exaggerated him in the new movie. Yeah. So, you know, they you, if they were going to do Omega Red, you'd think they'd probably do something similar. He'd be cursing, and he would be ridiculous and over the top. Which, in some sense, that might be the way to do him. But in another sense, you could do a Wolverine movie where he's just a really cool... It's like one of Wolverine's flashback stories to the Cold War when he was a Canadian agent like or something. I that's how it would have to be. Because I was going to say, I think for the time, Omega Red is a great villain. Yeah. But by now, the Cold War is so far in the past that it's... But is it now? <laughs> well, well, yeah, right. But 
the popularity of villains that tied directly in with the Cold right. War like hasn't really come back with uh, the like current issues. Well, that's that are going on. You know, I think that like the times are calling for a new Russian villain, perhaps in superhero movies. So Omega Red might be a good choice, and and he's much like Captain America in the sense that um, he's you know frozen at times and thawed out and emerges in a world where the Soviet Union has been defeated. And he's got a lot of axes to grind. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like... I have this dream of seeing if Marvel... And by the way, on today, today when we're recording this, the Fox shareholders approved the Disney buyout. So mm-hmm. it just looks like that's totally happening. Yeah. The X-Men are joining the MCU. So anyway, so a solo Wolverine movie where you get flashbacks to his past. Uh, my thing that I always wanted to see, and which we'll see in season five of this cartoon is the Captain America Wolverine team-up mm-hmm. from World War II, which would be amazing. Uh, just a, a great pairing of heroes. Uh, the ultimate American with the ultimate Canadian. But, <laughs> <laughs> but and then, you know, Wolverine's his past goes, like, back to the Civil War, so you could do, like, like any anything from the last 150 years, but do a Cold War movie, too, uh, yeah, where Omega Red is the main villain. That'd be really awesome. All I'm saying is that Omega Red ties in so closely with the Soviet Union and the Cold War and, um, like, American attitudes about, yeah. the, like, the Soviet Union and Russia at that time that I, I think I would enjoy it as, like, a historical sort of um, fiction, but yeah. m- right. maybe not in any other context. Well, how about this context? Uh, let me write this Wolverine movie. Um, so half of it takes place as a flashback. Uh-huh. Where Wolverine's remembering the 1950s or 60s, where he fought Omega Red, maybe where Sabretooth was his, al- you know, his ally, and uh, Maverick and Silver Fox, whoever his team was, and uh, you know, Omega Red killed half of them or something happened, and then he's frozen. Wolverine stopped him then, but now it's the present day too, and we see Wolverine having to fight him in the modern day too. So it's like you get a half movie. I where- just don't think the character is going to age well. But that's part of the. It's like Captain America. It's like, did he? Does he age well? He's a jingoistic, you know, World War Two American patriotic propaganda character. But that's like, it. It feels okay to make fun of him, which they do in the Marvel movies because he's American being made fun of by Americans. I mean, he's not really being made fun of. They make it jokey. Okay, at times, yeah. At times, right? But they don't outright also, say what a dope Captain America is. He's taken seriously as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not saying that he's... I didn't say dopey. I said right. jokey. Right, right? Yeah. Like, they um, they make allusions to it being a little bit over-the-top patriotic, it, like, throughout the movies where they use him. So, anyway, to me, like, it seems like that's fine because he's American and he's being made fun of by an American society and enterprise, whereas... When you take, like, a Soviet character, and the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore, so that's kind of dated, and then... Mm-hmm. So what what is this character? Russian? And then, like, all these Americans... Well, no, he's Soviet. Like, I mean, that's what we see in this episode, too, that he's... The, the, the Cold War has ended. Right. The Soviet Union is dissolved, but not for Omega Red. Right. He can't let it go. 
And I think that's a good... I actually think that's an interesting character and would be for a modern-day movie, too, is, like, a modern-day villain. Yeah. That I, I could see that working. But whatever. Um, We're probably I, not going to see any of this come to fruition anyway. I think we will. I, cause really? I, don't, I think Omega Red's a good... You asked me a really good question. Is Omega Red a good villain? I think he really is awesome. I like his tentacles. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's really fierce and, like, unstoppable and scary, and he's got a demented personality. We might have touched on this last time we saw Omega Red. Those tentacles are robotic. Like Doctor Octopus and Spider Man, yeah, car- right? Carbonium or something, or Carbonium. So, I forget what it's called. But he's a mutant, so it's not that they're part I of forget. him. It's that his yeah. mutant power somehow enables him to have have in control. We looked it up the last time. I, I for- can't remember. I forget what the deal with Omega Red is. He was experimented on. I think much like Captain America, oh, okay. he was one of these weapon projects, but a Soviet version, right? Uh, for instance, like Captain America was Weapon One, Wolverine was Weapon X, which is Weapon Ten. So it's like there's a you know a sequence of these things. Got it. But he so Omega Red's on some Soviet side. So I forget if what the deal with Omega Red was. He was like a street criminal with a violent personality that they captured and they turned him into a weapon. They might have mutated him. Uh, they might have turned him into a mutant. They did some kind of. They messed with his I'll DNA. Have to go back and listen to our own episode, <laughs> right? I can't or just remember. look it up on Wikipedia <laughs> again. Yeah. But anyway, so he's, you know, there's something weird about Omega Red. He's not quite your like everyday mutant, and that's interesting pivot because he's promised in this episode that uh, they're going to turn him back into a human if he helps the U.S. government in a twist. Right. So this actually this. Episode two, speaking of Captain America, plays on the Captain America story in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. The it's it's revealed later that the U.S. government is digging up Omega Red out of a frozen tundra in what they describe as the uh, the Caucasus Mountains, right? Mm-hmm. In the former USSR. I like how then they're not just saying Russia or some new country; they're saying the former Soviet Union. That's kind of an interesting twist. Um, I feel like you saw, might have seen that in other media at the time, too, when they yeah. were showing events going on in the former Soviet Union. They wouldn't say, uh, what would be a country, like Estonia or something that Kazakhstan got liberated? Yeah, right. Turkmenistan or something. Yeah, so they wouldn't say Turkmenistan. They would say former Soviet Union, yeah. you know, whatever mountains. Uh, so that's the same thing here. And, you know, I presumably left frozen there by storm the last time we saw her right. deal. I mean, she froze him, and that's how they stopped him. So, I, but it seems like the location from wherever that was changed because that was in the middle of some village. They were fighting a war. Like now it looks like he's in the middle of nowhere. So who knows what happened? Uh, let, let's just presume that the X Men, you know, it's continuity from that last time we saw Omega yeah. Red. Uh, anyway, so like I said, parallels with the Captain America story. He's frozen, uh, and he's being thawed out in a different time. The U.S. military captures him. Some, you know, colonel or some, like a CIA colonel, I think. Or some Navy secret intelligence Navy colonel. Uh, he's he wants Omega Red to break into a sunken Russian nuclear sub off the coast of Hawaii. They say 120 miles away from Pearl Harbor because it's flooded with radioactive gas, and he'd be the only one who could survive it. And also, he knows all the access codes to the Russian submarine. So that <laughs> convenient, right? So. You know, when I was watching this, you know, I'd seen this episode once before years ago, but, you know, now basically with fresh eyes. I was curious. I thought, like, does this colonel want the sub for some nefarious purpose? You know, uh-huh. like, is this a trick or a trap? But no, it's like it really is straightforward. Like, they just want to get rid of the sub. Uh-huh. But and, and there's also they mentioned there's 15 armed nuclear missiles that are still operational in the thing. I still don't know why they would need uh 
like a, a deranged, dangerous mutant like Omega Red to go down there and get the submarine and to program it. I guess because he knows the the access codes. That seems to be the main thing, but he's the only one on Earth that knows the access codes. Like, or... why can't they just either... Why can't they scuttle the sub somehow? Or, like, use a crane and drag it away? Or get any other superhero in the Marvel <laughs> Universe to just lift it? You know? Like, give Rogue a... We see Rogue later in this episode deal with the sub, but give her a underwater outfit and just have her lift it away and take it somewhere. Uh-huh. I'm not quite... Let it detonate out in space somewhere where yeah, it's not going to hurt anybody. I'm not quite sure what the point of this plan is at all. They really feel like they got it figured out, though, this colonel. Uh, it's crazy. It's so <laughs> stupid. Actually, I mean, this episode's really good, but their plan is stupid. Um... And so they, like I said, they kidnapped Omega Red, and they said, listen, like, you're going to help us, uh, and the, the payback, like we said, is uh, we're going to give you your humanity back. We figured out a way to, to do that. And Omega Red doesn't really believe them, and they're like, no, no, no medical science is really advanced. <laughs> and then Omega Red's like, uh, why should I trust you imperialists? And I just like the dismissiveness of the U.S. colonel. It's like, that war's over. We won. And it just, it's just like you're an idiot for thinking. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like looking back at it, I really remember in the '90s that there was this total victorious attitude by the American political establishment that permeated through pop culture and society at large. That America just like Russia was a joke in the end. They crumbled. You know, it was like a crappy country. The USSR. Yeah, the USSR. There's nothing like. Uh, no threat from them anymore, really. Right. Uh, you know, Boris Yeltsin's the president, and he's like a drunken buffoon. And, you know, America's great. America and, was really conceited and felt like they, yeah, it's they like, really won the Cold War. The Cold War's and, over. And then 9-11 happens, and like, okay, and they, there's so much criticism. It's like everyone at the FBI and CIA was still geared towards Cold War attitudes, even though it's long over. Uh-huh. And that's why we got uh, surprised by terrorism, you know, or yeah. whatever, like, Al-Qaeda was. And um, and they're like, so we had to, like, retrain, you know, we wouldn't, weren't even hiring people at CIA who could speak, uh, you know, Arabic or Farsi or whatever the languages the terrorists were speaking. It's like we had to really transform. But now, in the year 2018, yeah. <laughs> the Russians are ascendant, at least in terms of, like, America's number one, like, political destabilizing threat again. Right. And they've, like, gone, it's gone to, like, bonkers cartoon level of the things they've been accused of doing, yeah. and that, you know, what's going on with our the so-called compromised president, not to get too political, right. but, like, now it's, like, insane, like, we're the Cold War is, like, never went away, and we've got this, like, supervillain in Putin out there, you know, running the show, and he's not going anywhere, and he just seems to be getting stronger and stronger, Yeah, and it's just, like, what happened, you know, like, it's like we're right back to square one with these... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Uh, that's why I said, it's like, I mean, just for that alone, this episode touches on some interesting themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, Omega Red has some interesting, like, he said, oh, and they also threatened, they said, listen, and you're also going to follow orders because we've implanted a, uh, what is it? Um, uh, they, they implanted something in him that'll explode, like a freeze bomb. Uh, what's that gas? I can't gas? remember what was in it. Exactly it's like the right common gas they use in science where they dip a rose in the... Uh, I can't believe we can't think of this. 
Um, a liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen yeah, yes, a, a liquid yeah. nitrogen bomb they've implanted oh, in. Oh, right, yeah. And they say, well, because that's like his number one weakness is the cold, ironically, because he's from like, Russia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it'll freeze him again. If and, he steps out of line. Yeah. But he says, okay, but I want insurance too. I need two like my old comrades to work with me. And you're like, oh, who could that be? Yeah. But it's Wolverine and Storm, which is kind of bizarre. And he basically just wants them as hostages. Right. And for some reason, and like, weirdly, like, you think like this military colonel guy is kind of corrupt and weird that he would just somehow kidnap Storm Wolverine. But I get the implication is because they cut to the X-Mansion, it's it's almost like they negotiated with Professor X directly. Right. And the X-Men like know what they're going into and they purposely agree to help. Yeah. And Wolverine doesn't like it at all, obviously. Um, That's more realistic though, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, the X-Men are super powerful. They can't just compel like, they can't, the government, it'd be really tough for the government well, to just say, Well, but also the X-Men have give us Wolverine by this Storm. moral standard where once the situation is explained, of course they're going to say, yeah, we're going to do this to help you. Right. And the X-Men, like we've noticed in recent episodes, they've been extra, like, they've been like this elite crack task force squad going into hot spots in the world and cleaning situations up mm-hmm. more than they've been like fighting for mutant liberation yeah you know what i mean they've kind of evolved into like they're just really professional at what they do and stopping bombs and like stopping threats and right. things of that nature so it, it's kind of funny that they're it's like another one of those missions where it's not really about mutants and about uh you know bigotry and stuff it's just about like they're the best of what they do yeah which is like you know fair and another cool aspect of the X-Men and uh, Wolverine has one of his most hilarious classic lines here because they know it's a trap they know they're it's all they're all being set up by Omega Red somehow that he's an angle they're not stupid yeah and he, and, he, and referring to the military guys he says who do these uh, spy guys think they're dealing with Winnie the Pooh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, Cal Dodd is Wolverine's amazing. The writing for Wolverine throughout the show has been consistently excellent. I mean, it's really, you know, people talk about Kevin Conroy as Batman, the animated Batman. His voice is like, he's secretly the best Batman if yeah. like if you line him against up against the live actors. Right. It's like the same thing as, like, Cal Dodd is Wolverine's better than Hugh Jackman was, and I'm sorry, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, you know, Hugh Jackman's really good, like, borderline great, but right. Cal Dodd's better. It's well, just a better character. Hugh Jackman has a lot more to work with, you know? <laughs> like, Wait, he has more to work with? Yeah, and he, so, like, I, I'm saying it's more impressive how good Cal Dodd is. Oh, because, right, yeah, yeah, like, right, yeah, because Right, yeah. Hugh Jackman like comes to life, and yeah. Cal Dodd's just a voice in a booth. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, but Cal Dodd—it's amazing. It's so good. He's the Wolverine forever. I'm sorry, there's no other Wolverine like Marvel. It's actually kind of nice. I I really hope that uh, now that Disney controls the X Men again, they you know they'll probably be future animated series and other video games. They gotta at least at the very least bring Cal Dodd back and give him, like, make the fans happy. And I think it's Cameo something... or something. I, well, just hire him, you know, like, uh-huh. have him voice Wolverine. Oh, for animated things. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, just, it doesn't have to, you know, it can't be that much money <laughs> if they want to bring him back. Um, so, you know, w, Warner Brothers keeps hiring Kevin Conroy. They keep having him do Batman forever, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. And Mark Hamill is the Joker. Yeah. You can bring back Cal Dodd. As Wolverine, I'm sure he hasn't lost a step. I'm sure his him getting older has only made the character probably sound better. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so Wolverine's not happy. Uh, Omega Red. Uh, so, and I don't know why Storm agrees to do this too. And I'm not sure why Omega Red wants Storm as well. Is that made clear later in the episode? 
Isn't it a whole revenge thing because she's the one that froze him? That's what I thought, but it's I don't think it's brought up so much unless I missed it if it was a quick line of dialogue. Uh, but anyway, like maybe it's because her claustrophobia, he know it'll compromise her. She'll be less. They don't say it. I just assumed it was because he had like he was holding the biggest grudge against Wolverine and Storm from their previous encounter. Yeah, probably. Oh, definitely. Well, he hates Wolverine. Right. I mean, Omega Red's like a villain on Sabretooth's level in terms of Wolverine's past. Mm -hmm. They they make that point very clear in this episode that uh, you know he's killed close friends of Wolverine, and Wolverine will never get over it, and he knows what a danger he is. Uh, Anyway, Storm agrees to go on this mission too. They get this cool mini sub. uh, like a Steve Zissou type of mini-sub, <laughs> a little yellow one. Right, yeah. Um, a real futuristic mini-sub with some retro charm. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Storm's earrings, which we don't talk about much in this podcast. <laughs> but lightning. The lightning bolt earrings are awesome. And wh- She wears those, like, all- every episode. Yeah, they're really there Why all are you the talking time? about them right now? I'm just I'm saying. We don't talk about them that much. Uh. And they're just a great, uh, like, character design element. I love the lightning bolt earrings, and I hope that Storm in the MCU has lightning bolt earrings. I think that's an important thing to remember uh, for future incarnations of Storm. <laughs> um, so uh, Wolverine and Storm are really good team-up team as well. I, I mean, really, you can pair the X-Men up. In it's so a mix different... and match situation. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, like, later in this episode, you see Beast and Rogue. We've seen them work together before, too, many yeah. times. They're really good together. It doesn't matter. Like, Storm and Rogue cool. are great. They're all friends. They're all friends. They Except all... Wolverine and Cyclops, but even so, they work together. They work together the fine. Yeah, they, yeah, they're teammates. I mean, they're all, they all ha- they're all like, alpha personalities. And even Jubilee is an alpha personality. They're yeah. all really <laughs> just... You know, that's kind of like the thing. It's like with the X-Men, a lot of the mutants in the mutant world are shy and scared and they're oppressed. Uh-huh. But the X-Men, it's all about being bold and and not Living caring. Living out loud. Living out loud, right? And they're bright <laughs> yellow spandex and crazy colors and, like, form-fitting outfits. Um, that's what's great about them. You know, like, they're really, like, the most aggressive mutant team. And that's, like, it's a personality trait that pervades through the comics universe as well. It's like part of their reputation, too. I think Joss Whedon captured that in his run on the X-Men comics that he did with Astonishing X-Men. He talks about how the X-Men are like sort of like the most forceful and most like direct assault team and mm-hmm. not afraid. And the, it's just really the spirit of them. Uh, anyway, so they're all, they, they meet up with Omega Red, or he's captured. They're, they're taking him down to the sub. They're all traveling together. Omega Red, Red Storm, and Wolverine. And Omega Red, Red makes a really prescient line about Wolverine. Uh, he says, your body can heal, but not your spirit. And that, like, wow, he really hits the nail on the head. Yeah. Like, Omega Red's kind of smart. He's not just a dummy. Uh, he's really, you know, he knows his enemies well. Mm-hmm. And that, like, line really just sum- sums up the character perfectly in a yeah. way. Like, I, you know, I guess I knew that about the character, but I just when he put it th- that, like, as plainly as that, it right. was like, really... Right, like, how ironic. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. but that's, like, really Wolverine's life struggles. That yeah. He's, like, invincible, but, like, his... It's like they show the 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 toll He's wounded on another level. Right, the toll of invincibility on that person's psyche is insane. Mm-hmm. Especially a soldier like Wolverine, who uh, you know has fought so much in his life. So that was a great line. Um, and then you know, at this point, I was wondering, uh, like, why doesn't the government? And we alluded to it before, like, why not just send Wolverine in? Because they say that the ship is flooded with radioactive gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And I was like, that, like, Wolverine I, doesn't know the codes. Yeah, that's part, but he could slice his way in. Uh, who knows? But he but, might trigger something. An yeah, I guess. But the point is, uh, they, they do address in the episode. I was afraid they wouldn't. Storm says something like, you know, if you attack Omega Red and he rips opens, rip open our, like, breathing suits, they're wearing, like, astronaut suits, like, you might survive with your healing ability, but I won't. I'll die. Yeah. And, uh, I was, like, glad that somebody said that. <laughs> right. Because, you know... That's le- the kind of detail that gets overlooked a lot of often, times. Often, yeah. Especially with Wolverine's healing factor in the show. Because it's not... They can't really show it that much or make too big of a deal out of it. Because in the movies, his healing factor is, like, the one time they can really show bloody gore. Yeah. They can't really show Wolverine have that much gore in the mainstream X-Men movies. Logan... Uh, excluded, mm-hmm. uh, but like for some reason they can show like him bleeding and him getting shot in the head and like ma- his body being massacred. It doesn't mean death for him, right? Yeah, because it heals, it turns back to normal. So I guess the censors are like, oh, it's okay for kids to see him. Like, but in the cartoon, it can't can't really go there. Yeah. So his healing factor is like much more weakened in the cartoon. It's like it's kind of like how it was when it was like first introduced in the comic because it wasn't introduced right away mm. his healing factor is just this thing they mentioned later on they probably just came up with it later you yeah. know and like at first it was just like a thing like he heals fast it didn't mean that he was like Hugh Jackman Jackman the movies where like he heals instantaneously like yeah. like magic it's like he would get like blown up and he'd have to go in the hospital for a week or two but he'd be like live right and he would live really long as well but it didn't mean that um you know, his healing factor is a thing they ramped up in the comics, like, much later when they went into the Weapon X origins. Mm-hmm. They would show him get, like, burned and stabbed and shot, and he'd be able to heal himself. Anyway, uh, so, but despite Storm saying that, like, and that's what stops Wolverine from attacking Omega Red, because Omega Red is antagonizing Wolverine this whole time. And he knows Omega Red's going to betray everybody, like, he can just tell. Yeah. Uh, despite all that, like, Storm stops him. He's like, don't attack him, you know, we're vulnerable. Like, two seconds later, he attacks him anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> He forgets all about Storm. Yeah. He just he's says, like, I'm going for it. Yeah, he's like, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, totally insane. Um, so, uh, you know, he attacks, he forgets about Storm. I guess he's subdued right away. Um, Omega Red programs the missiles, and he announces what his plan is. He wants to launch... It has 15 missiles. He's going to attack the 15 largest cities on Earth and, wa- and watch them burn. He doesn't care about anything but revenge against the world. And then everyone will know how powerful he is and right, yeah. fear him, I guess, is his whole plan, right? He talks to Storm about stuff. He's like, he's like, imagine like being a weapon and never being used properly, how sad that is. Yeah. And Storm says, but weapons don't have emotions. Uh-huh. And he's like, if only that were true, Storm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so that's his motivation. It's pretty insane. And, uh, you know, what are the 15 largest cities in the world? I wonder if, like, today in 2018, if, like, 10 out of the 15 are Chinese cities that no one in the Western world knows the names of outside of Beijing and Shanghai yeah, right. and Hong Kong. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, you read these, like, stories about, like, the 15 largest cities by population in the world, you know, like, all these Chinese cities. They're like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. And then you think, it's like, Pittsburgh is, like, 200th on the list. It's like, most of the American cities outside of New York, L.A., and Chicago, like, don't even come on the list yeah not on the radar right yeah well that's what i was gonna say before when you were talking about the cold war so it's like sorry china <laughs> like isn't that the the threat that came up next like before this like stealth russia 
thing uh, came on everyone's radar with like the current presidential administration, or whatever. Everyone yeah. was like, "Oh, better start teaching Chinese in the schools." Right? Yeah, yeah. They're People, up and coming. Ch- well, I mean, they still are the emerging superpower, the economic force in the world, China. Yeah. So, I mean, the world's a big mess right now. Uh, but anyway, so it's a pretty insidious and evil plan, and the fact that he just says he just wants to watch the world burn uh that's written he pretty much says that line and that's written like 10 years before the dark knight was written by christopher nolan where mm-hmm. that was the the line he used uh alfred used to describe uh, heath ledger's joker mm. so i mean x-men tasked insanely well written way ahead of its time eric lee Wald, another round of applause to you and your team great job um and uh anyway and he also says that like, part of his plan is like he ho- he wants to see the world crumble crumble to chaos, and then he's going to pick a time to emerge and like rebuild it in his own manner from the ashes. You know, like he's going to see when it's just the right time to. I mean, that was kind of his plan when we last saw Omega Red. In a weird way, he wanted to just he was going to reconquer the former Soviet Union and reunite Russia and be like the dictator. So, you know, his his ambition has grown a little bit here. Mm. I guess, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, I like the subtle real-world take on it, too. It's like, if you did nuke the f- just 15 of the largest cities in the world, it wouldn't be the outright end of civilization. Like, I don't think it would... I'm not sure if it... I don't think it would necessarily cause gl- uh, gl- uh, nuclear winter. Doesn't it depend on the size of the nukes? It does, but I think just, like... Think about it this way. Like, there's been a thousand... Over a thousand nuclear bombs exploded on or beneath the Earth's surface since 1945 in tests. And it's not like, uh, you know, there's been a lot of studies saying, like, oh, the rates of cancer have increased around the world since then. But it's not like it destroyed the Earth's atmosphere or anything. Mm -hmm. So my point is, like, 15 nuclear bombs going off simultaneously across the globe, I don't think it would, like, end the world and cause nuclear. Winter, right? Well, that's not his right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I like his subtle take. That's like it's just going to cause the world to go into total chaos and melt down. Like it would, it would like you know be total lawless and like all of you know all the food supply chains and trading shipping chains would break down and governments would like devolve into nothing and uh, there'd be mass like riots and poverty and everything. Although they do like there's scary stuff. Like if you ever watch like an episode of Vice, uh, they talk about like if India and Pakistan got into a nuclear exchange, they do say that it would cause nuclear winter and end the world. Because they have so many nukes between well, them. I don't, I don't even know if it's about so many nukes in between. They said something about the proximity of the, just, like, if you just nuked India and Pakistan, like, it, it would just cause a nuclear winter and the whole world would probably, like, die hmm. in five years, you know, after, like, it plunges into freezing chaos and radioactivity. Hmm. Um, but whatever. A, a nuclear uh, bombs expert can weigh in on the X-Men Test Podcast Facebook group. <laughs> uh, so, and, you know, the X-Men, like we said, they're in crack crack squad mode. So Beast and Rogue with Professor X on Cerebro, they sort of fly out over the Hawaiian uh, waters over there to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, like, dropping depth charges from the Blackbird, and they're disrupting Omega Red. Uh, and, you know... It's just interesting to see submarine warfare in a way. <laughs> it makes me think that... It just really reminds me that, uh, like, why Star Trek is modeled on the Navy and not the Air Force. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, it, it made, like, more sense to me in, like, a real, like, three-dimensional way. Right. Because a submarine, like a spaceship, moves through space in three dimensions, mm-hmm. like, kind of slowly, at least relative to the space around it. 
and you have like the people like in a con- in a sealed contained environment you know surrounded by an atm- like a, a terrain not terrain like an atmosphere that killed them the ocean yeah. like instantly if they went outside in, in the case of star trek outer space right. and you've got the command crew with the captains and the lieutenants and everything and the way you know the politics in in a, a, a tight contained space and all that stuff you know like so it just made sense to me like oh yeah like Submarine. It's weird that like space exploration and space battle and science fiction is modeled after the navy because, or some at least the submarine aspect of it more than anything. Yeah. Um, I, I, that was just like a weird thought I had. There's like some other aspect of it too that made sense to me. I can't quite remember right now. But uh, anyway, um, so you know they're doing a pretty good job, like knocking Omega Red around. He does manage to launch five missiles. Right. And there's like... Yeah, go on. It's weird because they like rise to the surface of the water separately, but then they all like wait for each other at the surface of the water and then they continue into the air. It like... Is that like how it would really work? I don't know. It was done in such a... It was animated in such a deliberate way that like like you said, when the the missiles reach the surface of the water, they kind of pause and they boost again. Yeah. And I, I... You know, I've definitely seen images of missiles like launched from like submarines and videos and stuff. But I just, my image of it, it's like, it just explodes really fast. Like a small little torpedo or missile explodes really fast from the ocean. Yeah. And like sparks away. But they're not intercontinental nuclear missiles. I've never seen that. Like, I'm sure there's footage of that, like test ones. Right. Obviously. But um, I wonder if that's what they have to do. If like, if you have an ICBM on a submarine, nuclear submarine, if it like has to, it's just like a two-stage launch process. Mm -hmm. It rises to the surface and then it like the rocket. Like it needs a different kind of thrust to move through air versus water. Right. And that kind of makes sense in a weird way. Yeah. So good animation either way. Even if it's fake, it it seems convincing. It looks cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, So he launches five missiles. Oh my God. It's like, and my understanding about the way... Uh, missile technology is, is is once a missile launch, there's no fucking way to stop it. Uh, but I mean, beast man, beast and rogue man, just shoot a few of them out of the air. Yeah. So I mean, I wonder, like, maybe if like you catch a missile right as it launches, you have a realistic shot to shoot it down with a jet. Do you think like that's in the realm of possibility? I have no idea, but like. The Blackbird is not meant to be like any jet that exists. Right, yeah. So. Which is commented on this episode. They, the military can't even track it. Yeah. Um, but, like, still, I wonder, though, like, if you catch an ICBM, I bet you could, maybe. If you ha- if a plane was right over, let's say, North Korea, right, is there launching missiles? Like, I wonder if they could just shoot it out of the sky, really, before it achieves its, like, break orbit velocity, which Beast comments on, too, that they get away really fast. You know, the rate of acceleration is incredible, he says. Um but Rogue... It's just, like, a very small target within a very large amount of space. I think that's... And it's moving quickly. Well, that's the that's the thing why missile... Right, well, that's why <laughs> missile defense technology is nearly impossible to do, because yeah. the missile... The, the anti-missile missile has to launch from a totally different location on Earth and intercept this thing, like, thousands of miles away, like a like a, to- a pinpoint nothing in the sky. Right. You know, like, infinite... Oh, it's almost like an infinite, like, amount of space... It's, like, weird because you think computers are so precise and accurate mm-hmm. that they'd just be able to, like, make this happen. Like, how can a guided missile with all the technology we have and artificial intelligence not just be able to find another missile and explode it? Yeah. But it's, like, when you really think about the reality of, like, how massive the sky is and how immensely large Earth is, and you're talking about missiles that fly into, like, I guess, low-orbit outer space and before they descend. Right. Like, it's, like, it's next to impossible. I mean, because... And, like, if you've ever been in an airplane before, you know, like... 
how vast everything seems. Yeah, how vast it all seems and how fast you're really traveling. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, insane to, like, so it's like you can't just make a computer, like, overcome all the elements of a planet hurtling through outer space to intercept a tiny, like, speck. So I'm going to say chances are against this happening in real life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Beast and Rogue managed to do it from the Black Mirror. With an assist from a, the Navy comes just in time. The Navy jets come to and they blow out the ones they can't get. The last get. couple, yeah. And then, like, Rogue does something super heroic and insane. She's totally nuts. <laughs> yeah, she just says, like, I can't deal with this anymore. And she just hops out of the blackboard and flies into the ocean. Blackbird. What did I say? Blackboard. Right. Yeah, she hops out of the Blackbird and, like, into the ocean as fast as she can, flying towards the submarine, which is pretty, like, deep. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, she all she does is just rips open a side panel right. to disrupt the sub again. And then she, like, bends one of the outboard, like, the rudders or something. Yeah. Something that uh, would be needed for navigation. Right. And it's enough to d- knock Storm free of... Omega Red's clutches and Storm is able to just sort of like escape. Oh no, does Rogue then fly in and rescue them? I think maybe, I don't know. Well, s- yeah, Storm and Wolverine manage to get into their little yellow right. pot. Like, they slowly get away, capsule. which I wondered why Storm wasn't flying Wolverine in the sub. I, I don't know if she could do it or not. Maybe there wasn't enough room or something. Or maybe she needs the pieces. outside air to do it. That's always, like, the no, mystery. No, because she uses wind to, like... Oh, yeah. Uh, ...push Omega Red back from them. Right. Like, blast him away with her wind. Right. But, anyway, so, yeah, Rogue, like, takes hold of the yellow submarine with the two of them in it and, like, brings it back up, attaches it to the Blackbird so they can get away. Right, they, she attaches it to a crane or something and she rides it up and then they escape. Omega Red, he's at the bottom of some trench in the Pacific Ocean, uh... And he was going to launch more missiles, but the subs, like, fall in more, and the navigation systems failed. Because of rogues oh, yeah, meddling. He, th- he threatens to destroy Hawaii. Uh, right, but so he's sort of trapped in the Pacific Ocean, then they show it, like, sink even further into, like, a deeper trench, and he's really... He's not dead. They show his red glowing eyes, uh, but he's, like, pretty much taken care of. He's you know he he's keeps, gonna lie dormant for a while. Yeah, it looks like I guess he doesn't <laughs> need food or water or anything uh-huh. to live. Who knows? Uh, but then back at the X Mansion, um, Beast mentions that Storm's gonna be okay, recovering from her the intense, emotionally traumatic claustrophobia she experienced yet again. <laughs> uh, but he's worried that oh, there's my Star Trek communicator going off. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, he's worried that um, Wolverine. He's like he's suffering a different kind of PTSD from just dealing with Omega Red again. That. He's worried that he's just really going to need extra time to get over this. Yeah. Which I thought was, like, very bizarre. Like, note they strike at the end there that Wolverine is, like, just even seeing Omega Red deeply upsets him. Uh-huh. Because it's not like... I mean, he's the, pretty pissed when he sees Omega yeah. Red, but, like... They don't really fight that much in this episode, and... I mean, it was real stressful. Like, Wolverine, like, the fate of the world held in his balance again, you know? Yeah. And he kind of, like, didn't really succeed. Uh, you know, Rogue had a, Rogue and Beast really saved the day more than anyone. Uh, so and you know, Storm, right? I mean, but she he's dragged dealt, him out of there. Yeah, you know? but like he's dealt with these situations a million times. Like I don't see why it being Omega Red especially made him so angsty. Um, and he doesn't even seem as angsty as Beast says at the end. He's kind of just muttering to himself. He's like, Omega Red, if you come back, I'll be waiting. But he's having a moonlit walk by the water. Yeah. So. That um, there's the angst, but poor Storm really gets her 
deep claustrophobia dismissed once again. Yeah, like, Storm. Professor X is like, yeah, she'll be fine. Yeah, I think Wolverine's gonna be more <laughs> fine than Storm. Is the point? So that Beast's analysis of the situation doesn't seem that great. Professor X is just smiling as he hears it because he's a bad therapist and he, <laughs> he has no idea what's going on. So that's the end of the episode. Uh, a really surprisingly great one. Thoroughly again. enjoyable. Yeah. Really like top notch, excellent quality. Um, we've not been really let down much on the show. Um, I'm very excited to see what's next. I'm not even going to look forward to see what the next episode is. Uh, just going to be continually surprised. Good. Um, Good. Do your plugs. Okay, my plugs. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Uh, more importantly, join the X-Men Task podcast Facebook group. We'd love to have you there, um, especially as we wrap up near the end of this season. We'll have some more surprises in store as we keep going forward here some more special episodes, some more special guests, some more movie episodes. Um, we'll see how it all unf- unfurls. So uh, join the community and keep talking with us. And also rate and review us on iTunes uh, or wherever you rate and review podcasts. Give us five stars. Let people know. Broadcast that signal out that we're out there and we're a fun show and uh, X-Men fans would uh, probably really enjoy us. Is that <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. I don't know. It sounded kind of like arrogant to me to say, but I, I, I've been having a fun time the past <laughs> couple of years doing this. Um, so anyway, that's all I have to say. Sonia, any last words on the Cold War, nuclear, winter, Omega Red, uh, you know, future Marvel movies? See you later, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.